This episode of the Midday Madness Sports Podcast is brought to you by Alpine Unlimited Company. Their mission is to provide high-quality, comfortable, and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending their time in the great outdoors. You can check out their designs at alpineunlimitedcompany.com, and if you use code ERIC10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, that is alpineunlimitedcompany.com, and use code ERIC10 to receive 10% off. Testing, testing. Testing, 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 do you read? We inhale! It's time for the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. We inhale! And we're back. It is the Midday Madness Sports Podcast. Eric Miller alongside Noah Pegler. Episode 37. This episode is brought to you by Alpine Limited Company. They are he- their mission is to provide high quality, comfortable, and stylish clothing for a community of people who love nature and enjoy spending their time in the great outdoors. You can check out their designs at alpineunlimitedco.com. And if you use code Eric10, you can receive 10% off your entire order. Again, it's alpineunlimitedco.com and use code Eric10 to receive 10% off your order. Noah Pegler, how are you doing, sir? I'm doing all right, Eric. I mean, middle of the week, September is right around the corner. And the Feels beginning like of, I will say, I mean, it's we're in the dog days of summer where it's going to be a bit warm, but I'm excited as well because this is the final stretch of MLB baseball. This is where things get real. And this time, every game truly matters. I mean, MLB fans are like, yeah, sure. You know, that one month didn't really matter. But here we are. This is where you have to play at your best, but that's good. And also, again, football, 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 because NFL starts next week and we got college games going on on Thursday. I mean, Penn State's playing. I mean, that's crazy just to hear it. Yeah. But how about you, Eric? I'm good. Been a busy day, but we got stuff done. And uh, that don't you want to play your best in October, though, if you're in baseball? Just say <laughs> yeah, but there are some, but there are some teams that need to play their best now That's because true. they're not in the postseason. I mean, if you're the Giants or the Brewers, you can't do anything about it right now because you're looking outside of the wild card. Even yeah. if you're like the, the Orioles too. Yeah, that's true. So, yeah, we're we're gonna do our uh, changing of our baseball uh, rank, not rankings, but at least our division, our final change for the MLB season. We will do that shortly. Penn State versus Purdue will uh, do that. And also our final four predictions. I, I want to see what Noah is going to put in his uh, championship predictions for the NCAA football. Uh, MLB, we got news about Tony LaRusso's house. We'll talk about that. Um, and also in the NFL, Jimmy G's contract has been uh, decided. So we will figure we will break that down for you. And. Rigor to the Vikings. I, I didn't really care for it, but it's it's an interesting tidbit. What we will talk about and a lot more on the show. Of course, we'll have this day in sports history and also uh, can we stump pegs? I got the marker ready and uh, the quote of the day. So all that forthcoming and no, where do you want to start off? Well, I mean, we could start off with the big news, which is, of course, yeah, Tony LaRussa suddenly going to be sidelined for the Chicago White Sox. I mean, this is a major deal. The Chicago White Sox were a team that were in pursuit of a postseason spot, and they've had a bit of a tough 
run right now in this year. They've been spending most of their time in the standings, hovering in third place. And it was only just a few weeks ago, people were seeing, okay, Chicago has a chance to probably sneak right back into the top of the division. But now losing your manager, that just sets it a whole set of different plans now for what they might have to do because it was a unspecified medical condition. This comes from Bleacher Report, Timothy Rapp, and it was also reported, I believe, by ESPN, uh, Jesse Rogers. Uh, right now, as uh, the the current situation is, Tony LaRussa now scheduled uh, over the coming days to undergo additional testing in Arizona mm-hmm. by his personal physicians. His absence from the club will be indefinite pending the results of these evaluations. That came from the Chicago White Sox Twitter page. And I believe it was announced that Miguel Cairo would be yep. serving as interim manager until further notice. And I mean, I will say this, Eric, I mean, Chicago has had so many ups and downs this year. And I mean, despite what people have said about uh, Tony La Russa this year and being part of this ball club, I mean, this is definitely uh, a tough, really tough break right now for uh, La Russa and even the White Sox right now. It is a tough blow because of the fact that he came back to MLB and Chicago was supposed to be that team, that younger upcoming St. Louis team from years ago that they were going to try and have him build that up again. And he did such a great job the last two seasons. Last year, Tim Anderson was one of the hottest players going into the postseason and just cooled off against the Houston Astros, which really sucked. But again, it was a great battle to watch Tony Lusa. Dusty Baker in the playoffs once again. We hadn't seen that in so long. Um, but now the, his health comes into play, which is going to make you question, can he keep doing this? Because if he's going to continue to manage, how much is this going to take a toll on his heart, on the stress level? That That is yet to be decided. We don't know yet. And the White Sox are seven and a half out of the wild card right now. They're three games out or under 500 right now. Uh, they're still in that mix, but seven and a half out, you got you need a lot to go right. But on the flip side, if you look at their uh, the division standings right now, it doesn't look like it's too far off, if that makes sense. They don't seem like they're losing out. Uh, if my computer would load, because, you know, we love computer errors. Of course, it doesn't look like they're actually that far. I think their last time I saw was about two and a half. Uh, three games out of first. Now, I could be wrong, but my computer right now is just being belligerent and uh, being a jerk, as always. And, of course, it's saying it's not found. So I will go on my phone right now. This is why we have backup technology for when this crap happens. <sighs> Got a lot of technology. Um, yeah, so there are six out. Uh, okay, so I was definitely wrong. There were six out of the wild or the division standings. Minnesota actually is in second place against behind the Guardians. So it sucks. The Central still seems like it could be won by the White Sox, though. I I originally picked them and looking at, and you actually didn't. You picked the uh, the Twins. So I don't know who I would actually pick right now. Do I want to go the Guardians who have Terry Francona, who seem to have and pulling all the right strings in the right directions and they're getting players back and they're healthy? Or do you want to go with the Minnesota Twins? And, well, I mean, with Carlos Correa, Gary Sanchez, can they actually produce 
I mean, I know Carlos Correa can. I just don't know if uh, Gary Sanchez can. And I think the big thing that's not helped the White Sox is the injuries. I mean, when you have Eloy Jimenez, Tim Anderson, just to name a few, their bullpen hasn't been doing well this season. There's there's a lot of injuries. So it sucks that they're losing Tony La because this is a big get. This guy's won multiple championships with the St. Louis Cardinals. He's done so many great things for this game. And now he goes out with a heart injury, not even an injury that, like, if it was an arm or a leg, that's fine. You know, you can come back from that or just be on the sidelines. It's his heart. This is a very vital organ that you have in your body that makes you pump and makes you go. And if you got that going on, that that's a serious injury to walk away from. And it sucks for Tony Larissa, but at the same time, we wish and we hope that he does get better um, in the upcoming future. But at the same time, what's going to happen with the White Sox? Because you got stars that are they're ready to make a run and actually be relevant in the in MLB world in the American League. But how much can you, how far can you go without the right leader? To look at this, I mean, this month of June has had its highs and its lows. I mean, they've had they started off well at the beginning of August, winning games against teams like Kansas City and Texas. But then once you get to after the the series of Detroit and Houston, then it starts to look a bit sloppy right now because they struggled against Baltimore, a team that was in front of them in a series that could have been a must win for them, and then they got swept by the Diamondbacks. And then now looking ahead to their schedule, I mean, they, they could almost pretty much control their own fate because after this series against the Royals, they play the Twins this this weekend. So there's a chance to at least, you know, get, catch up to second place. Then they still have four more games against the Guardians. So, I mean, the math could add up where, like, it, they just need only a few more games to go right their way. So, officially, Chicago's not done yet. But, yes, this season has had its issues. Everyone's been questioning LaRusse's management style and just uh, his complete focus and what, you know, just the develop of the game. And then right now, obviously, that shouldn't be a concern. I mean, health is his number one priority. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, you meant mentioned the guardians with francona francona had his own health issues for like the last few years alone and that was pretty scary and i mean it's i'm still amazed that he's still out there managing baseball right now and with the potential to lead the guardians to another postseason run or at least to a postseason spot and chicago they've had some you mentioned some injuries right there and then i mean it just depends on how they perform against some other teams they still have the mariners on the schedule as well, right after that Minnesota series. And Seattle is not messing around this year. This is the one year where Seattle looks like at least a potential legit contender for a long first time in a long time. And now Chicago is just in a tough situation without that leader. And then Miguel Cairo. I mean, (laughs) I remember hearing this guy's name. I mean, I believe he was a former Yankee and now he's going to get a chance to get, uh, big league manager experience and he's going to do what he can with a month of baseball. I mean, it obviously with this final month, you have different pieces going on where, I mean, around this time, this is where triple a balls wrapping up or even the yep. minor leagues. Yep. And we start seeing young prospects who might get more playing time next year, because this is where, you know, they'll showcase their talents. And that this is, a 
an opportunity to at least show what you could do even before spring ball happens. And so Chicago will now have to at least figure out in what position they can get if in some of these upcoming series, obviously we'll know a lot more after this week, whether or not the, the direction this team should be going. And according to ESPN right now, the playoff chances for the, uh, the White Sox are 7.9% compared to Minnesota's wins, 45.8% and the guardians 65.3%. So it looks like right now, uh, the Mariners have a 94% chance. Obviously, the, we know the Yankees and the Astros are going in. We already know that. That's already decided it, whether the Yankees actually hold on to their seven-game lead because that the lead is, has lost five games uh, since their really cold streak, but hopefully they can get it together. Um, it looks like the American East is going to have three teams possibly. They have the Blue Jays in over the Tampa Bay Rays at 93% over the Rays 87% right now. And then you have the Mariners who are 94% of getting into the playoffs for the American League. So a lot can happen. It is September. A lot of the last uh, divisional games will take place within the last few weeks of the of the season as well. So we can see the Guardians and the White Sox and the Twins play against each other a few more times just to decide it. And those, those are going to be the critical games. Now, every game you had said early on is a critical game, but the games you really want to beat and win are those division games because that's how you really make up that ground. And also pray that whoever they're playing can beat the snot out of them as well because that kind of helps your your case. So let's look at our standings and our our uh, I'm going to stand up for this for one second. Let's look at what we got. If I can move this up, I'm going to move this as best as possible. If you can't see it, that's fine. I'm going to do my best. Yeah, that's as far as it'll go. So you can hear me at least. Um, so Noah, are you okay with New York as your American League, American League East champion? I mean, I've said it from the start. I'm not going to change it now. I think even though New York had a pretty bad August, I think September they will hold on to the division. So I'm staying with the Yankees as the AL East champs. All right. I still don't trust it, but I'm sticking with them. I think they will figure it out somehow. Obviously, Houston, we already know that. I would. I think Houston would be the biggest upset if the Mariners actually won. How crazy would that be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, we both pre- – excuse me. I, I believe I was going we both predicted – Mar- <laughs> <laughs> Nah, nah, nah. <laughs> A 12-game lead is something Houston won't take lightly. So, no. I, I'm – Sure, they're going to lock up this division. All right. So, in the Central, it is the White Sox and the – I have the White Sox. You have the Twins. A game and a half out for the Twins right now. I have – we said what, seven games out? No, for, yeah. I, for the White Sox? Well, there's six for the, for the division and uh, I believe seven for the wild card. All right. So – are you sticking with the twins? Right now, it's a tough prediction. I mean, they got after this, after the White Sox series that they have this weekend, they take on the Yankees, their masters, the team that has dominated them. And yet, here's the interesting thing about 
what as Minnesota has, they control their destiny as well because they have eight games coming up against the Guardians. Yes, eight games. Hmm. That could really make this um, noise for the Minnesota Twins. I wasn't so sure about it, but you know what? I'm going to ride it. I'll stick with the Twins. Oh, all right. You know what? I'm going to change mine to the Guardians, honestly. And my only reasoning is I'm going with the the manager, with Terry Francona. Mm. So, Cleveland, this is for you. (laughs) I had to get that in there somehow. All right, so we have New York. I have New York, Houston, Cleveland. You have New York, Houston, and the Twins for the wild card. Uh, Actually, this kind of works out now for me anyways. All right. For the wild card, we're going to start with you. You have Baltimore, Seattle, and the Blue Jays. Are you sticking with the Orioles? Well, I mean, <laughs> you, you clearly asked me the one that I was unsure of, and I'm I'm gonna ch- I'm gonna change that. I'm I'm gonna have to say the Orioles don't make it. All right. So who I'm, takes that place? The Guardians. I, I th- uh, no, I think Tampa Bay survives. All right. I think Kevin Cash. And his team can at least uh, hold off the spot long enough. I thought they would have been uh, sort of, you know, floating around and struggling at this point. But, I mean, they got some games coming up against the Yankees. They got playing against the Yankees and Blue Jays. As long as uh, they pull through on some of those games, I think they'll be just fine. All right. Obviously, you're sticking with Seattle. Yeah, I'm sticking with the Mariners. I Really, this is their time to at least get to the postseason. And obviously, this is in no order, by the way, people. So I'm not putting in these in an order. I'm just saying these are what's going to be in. Now, if we want, although, no, I still don't even want to do that because that's stupid if we put them in an order. So we're yeah. just going to stick with the uh, predictions. So Blue Jays, are you sticking with them? I'm going to say Toronto, yes, because... Okay. They played well against Boston. I hate to admit it, but they did. <laughs> and they have too much talent to miss out on a wild card spot. You can't go to the offseason knowing that you're wasting the time of Bo Bichette, Vlad Jr., and um, with Kevin Biggio and all the other star players on the Blue Jays team. Okay. All right. So your playoff teams right now, are New York, Houston, Minnesota, Tampa Bay, Seattle, and Toronto. Correct. All right. I am sticking with the Blue Jays. I don't think Tampa Bay is going to get in. I'm sticking with Seattle, and I'm sticking with my dark horse team, who, again, could do well, could not. The Minnesota Twins. I'm just going to stick with them because I think – that's how they're going to get into the playoffs. I think the Guardians are going to win the division, and I do think the Twins are going to sneak in because I think Baltimore and, Tom, and Toronto and Tampa playing each other towards later in the season, that's what's going to help Minnesota. Like, oh, we play against Kansas City, or we play against uh, – who else do they have in that crappy division? The White Sox possibly? Yeah, I, I could see – or the Tigers? Oh, yeah. I could see the Twins sneaking in. So – I got uh, Minnesota Twins, Seattle, and the Blue Jays. And, again, my dark horse team is still the Twins, so that's not changing at all either. Who, is your, who was your dark horse team? Um, well, I mean, I'm trying to remember who I picked. I mean, Me too. 
I can look back. And you can look see. back. I mean, if I mean early in the year, I picked Detroit, but then I think uh, I'm trying to think if I switched to Cleveland. You had yeah originally you had Detroit, but you never actually gave me another dark horse team. Yeah, but if I had to pick one, I'd probably pick uh, Cleveland. Cleveland, all right. Yeah. All right, I will put that on the whiteboard now. As I'm falling over in my seat. Cleveland! All right. So, let's go to the National League, because this is the fun one, too. Can't forget about them. We always forget about them somehow. Uh, I mean, at least I know I do. So, right now, the predictions are, in the East, we both have the Braves. In the West, we we literally have the same division went like division leaders right now: Braves, Dodgers, and and the Cardinals. Ah, uh, did I pick the Braves? You did. Oh, because originally, let me look back at my notes. Because I remember, I remember picking the Phillies in the early odds, but so maybe, maybe you were supposed to be the Mets instead. I don't know. I mean, I thought I, I have it. I have it scribbled down right here on okay. this side. So that's where your Mets are over here. But I also put the Braves. So maybe I misdid that. And that's on me. Oops. Not the brightest. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, <laughs> so do you want to stay with the Braves? Um, I, I, I'm I going to go with the Mets. I, I, Yeah. The Mets have played so well right now. And even though it's only a three game lead, they they played well enough to earn my respect. Alright. If I could spell right instead of spelling Neo, don't ask. Alright, I'm gonna stick with the Braves, honestly. I think they're one of the more dangerous teams in this uh NL East. And they're very they're only three games out. They're they're gonna figure it out come September, late September. Yeah, but just, here's the here's the thing though. It's like okay. the, you look you look at uh the the schedules for both teams. I mean, Atlanta's got the more difficult schedule because they have they still have Philadelphia twice, okay. and they have to play Seattle as well, and even San Francisco. I'm looking at the Mets schedule, and on paper, this, this should work out for them because, like, uh-huh. they have they have the Cubs and the Pirates twice. Not to mention, uh, they also get the Nationals as well. I mean, their most difficult opponent right now after the Dodgers is, like, the Brewers. But my thing is the Braves are going to be more tested, and they're going to be playing more playoff games with those series rather than the Mets are going to get too comfortable and probably overestimate their their opponents, where I think the, the Braves are going to be in a better position to make that playoff push. So I'm I'm sticking with the Braves. If I get it wrong, I get it wrong. Whatever. Uh, Dodgers, obviously, right? <laughs> yeah. No, let's just move on because they have a nine. They just got the ninety wins, and they're they have a nineteen point lead. They can clinch like next week. Yeah, it should have been the Yankees, but whatever. Uh, St. Louis has a five and a half lead over the Brewers. I feel comfortable with that pick. Yeah, I feel comfortable with St. Louis and Albert Pujols. He's getting close to try and get in past A-Rod. He'll get it. I'm not worried about that. Uh, so our wild card teams, if I can change something on here. 
All right, so let's start with you. You got the Phillies, the Padres, and the Braves. Are you feeling comfortable with any of these, or do you want to change one last time for the season? I'm feeling comfortable with Atlanta. They, I, I didn't pick them for division, but still, they are playing very good baseball as the current defending champions. And Philadelphia, I mean, currently on a three-game losing streak, but come on, Philly. This is your time. I mean, it's been a long season. I picked you. Do it this time. I have, I think for the last few years, have said that Philadelphia is going to make the playoffs, and yet they've let me down. And yet I think this has got to be it. As for San Diego, they're riding a winning streak currently. And I, I think San Diego's San Diego, San Diego's another team where it's like, you know, we, we got to show that we can do this. And in light of what happened with Tatis Jr., they need to win this, and especially knowing that they are a quality baseball team that could still make the postseason. So I'm sticking with my my picks for the wild card. I think the National League is a little more set apart than the American League. Like, the, if you look at these wild card standings right now compared to the American League, so let's look at the American League for a second. You have. The Tampa Bay Rays are a game up, or the Mariners are half game back from the, the Rays in the first place uh, wild card spot. Then it's the Blue Jays who are actually half game back from the Mariners. So those three, and then you got the Twins and the Orioles are both three games back. And you have seven and a half back as the White Sox and nine back is the Red Sox. You look at the National League, though, the Braves have a seven game lead over the Phillies. The Padres are a game behind the Phillies for that second wild card spot. And then the Brewers are two and a half games back. So <laughs> I think we're going to see what we could see in the American League. American League is three teams from American League East and extra additional team from the NL West um, and the NL East as well. So I'm looking at this. Because we only changed one. Because you have the Mets winning the division. I have the Braves winning the division. And I have the Mets in. The only team I don't have in is the Padres. Which, and my dark horse team is really letting me down right now. Because they, in the wild card, are 10 and a half out. And in the, the standings, if I'm looking at it correctly, they're like, 20 something out. <laughs> well, yeah, they, they just dropped behind Arizona now. Yeah, 29 and a half out. So I think what I'll do is I'll change my dark horse team to the Padres instead because then I could still possibly get them in. Oh, yeah. And then I think, I believe I selected Milwaukee for mine. Yep. So, yeah, I'm going to stick with, I'll put the Padres in as my dark horse instead of the Giants. I really didn't think the Giants were going to fold this badly, especially after their season last year. I mean, they were on fire. They were the well, number one seed, weren't they, in the NL? Well, I mean, I believe they got the uh, the home advantage ahead of the Dodgers. Well, wait, no. I don't think so, no, because then the Do- I believe the Dodgers won the division again. Oh, yeah, so they did. But, yeah, so the Giants were in the wild card last year after winning 100 games because it was back-to-back year. It was a, 
was the first time in like ever for the wild card teams where both of the winners won a hundred games or something like that because the Yankees had won a hundred, the Red Sox won a hundred, the Giants won a hundred. I don't remember who the Giants played last year. I know it was the, it, it was the Giants because that's right. Um, so you. Um, because the Dodgers and Cardinals played in the wild card game. That's right. That's who it was. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't remember. Yeah. But. So the Giants were the higher seed and it didn't work out for them. I mean, part of it was because they lost a lot of key players. I mean, Buster Posey for starters, he re- announced his retirement. And I mean, that it just didn't work out this year. And knowing that San Diego came back in full strength, that that was their big reason why they knew they had to stick it to the rest of the division yeah so those are our predictions though i'm feeling pretty comfortable with them i don't i wouldn't want to change them at all i'll stare at it for a little while too later on (laughs) Mm -hmm. um yeah baseball is starting to wind down right now and of course it sucks that tony larissa has the heart issue um, now we know he does have a heart, though, so that's good. Um, he's been stone cold for so long as a manager, and now, oh, look at that. <laughs> Tin Man has a heart. <laughs> yeah, well, right now, I mean, this will definitely uh, influence the decision of the White Sox and what they do moving forward. Yep. Because, I mean, yep. currently right now he is at uh, 77 years old, and, I mean, it's always tough for baseball managers to be managing at that age. I mean, even – all the old managers decided to th- make those decisions. I mean, even after health concerns, because I mean, even Terry Francona, I mean, as I'm sh- as with his health issues has always uh, been a manager where it's like, okay, how much longer should I keep this going? But I still you know, don't want my health to be a bother to me. Yeah. And so that's really got to be something that LaRusse has got to be considering right now in this moment, especially given where he's at. Yeah. Dusty Baker, 73. He's also one of the oldest Brian Snicker. Who's one of the older ones as well. He's 66. Uh, He is the Braves manager. Um, You got Connie Mack, who was 87 years old back in the day for the athletics. That's man. 87. Although we also had Vince Scully as well. He was one of those guys that, uh, that was an old guy. I mean, unfortunately, he passed away this past summer, but he did his job for so long. So sometimes it's, it's tough to leave the job, especially after you know you love it so much. Mm-hmm. So, well, yeah. And I mean, you're, you're comparing a baseball broadcaster to, I mean, an MLB manager. I mean, there's still pressure as a, as yeah. there's a lot of pressure in any job, you know? Yeah. Although when you have, so I do have to, Speaking of jobs, I do have a funny story about my current job. Um, so this past weekend, I got to go to the Chris Stapleton concert, which was great. Oh, yes. Uh, one of the 30,000 people there. My wife and I were there. It was, it was a great song, great time. Loved it. And then obviously Lady Gaga destroys the record by 10,000 the next night with 40,000 people at the Hershey Park Stadium. So 70,000 people in two nights. I feel bad for those workers, but... Great venue, great concert. Love Chris Stapleton. And on my show, I was able to talk 
about my weekend recap on Mondays. And I always do like a thing where like, Hey, show me your pictures of what you did. Or I have this thing, like, obviously Chris Stapleton is a huge get. And I asked like, Hey, who went to the Chris Stapleton concert? Give me your pictures and I'll give you a shout out on the air. Well, I was looking at her text line and I didn't see who sent it. I just saw that we had a text. So I was reading, I was live on the air and I'm like, Hey, so this person, and again, I didn't read this before actually reading this on the air. I clicked the message and the message says, you talk too much. <laughs> Everyone's a critic. <laughs> and, uh, and I actually said the line on the air. I'm like, oh, that's not about Chris Stapleton. Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, man. First off. You do realize who you're talking to, right? Anyone that knows me knows I talk too much. Every report card, every progress report always said the same damn thing. Eric is a great <laughs> student. He puts forth his best effort. But my gosh, does he talk too much? Why do you think I have this job? <laughs> it's perfect for me. Yeah, I know you're in the long run, wrong line of work. If you're not willing to speak up, <laughs> I, I cracked up laughing afterwards. And I'm like, I actually said that on the air. I wish I said the person's name. because I think that would have been better, but I did obviously for privacy reasons. Can't do that. But oh, my goodness, it was hilarious. I just started cracking up laughing. The next day I told one of my coworkers and she's like, does he know that we get paid? To, with We get paid to talk, right? That's that's our job. <laughs> oh people you guys are hilarious that like those comments i you just have to laugh at like the one that tried to say that i i shouldn't be on the on the radio i'm sorry next time we make hiring decisions we will make sure that you are in the room so that way this is one of our listeners do you like this person or do you not like this person and we had said this on in the office so i don't think people know or understand when you talk and tell us things, we talk about it in our office and we laugh at you for that. <laughs> you are our amusement at that point. Yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah, it's like uh, even when uh, you work at a McDonald's, I mean, you got to remember um, yeah. when you go through a drive through, when you go through a drive through, people can hear what you say in your car. If you have music or if you have kids in the background or literally anything those speakers <laughs> they are playing in the back kitchen so we can hear everything you are saying sometimes during the drive through though i do actually try to put on an awkward song and like just to see what people's reactions are <laughs> <laughs> and as they're like giving you your food or you're doing the money like mm, okay <laughs> this is awkward <laughs> Yeah, but it creates good moments when you know somebody pulls up in the drive-through and they really play random stuff. music. Uh, so let's go to NCAA because college football starts tomorrow with Penn State versus Purdue, um, and obviously this weekend. What do we even count this past weekend for college football games? Do they even count on this on the record? I feel like they shouldn't. I feel like it's preseason for college football. Well, it was it was strange when, you know, you had Vanderbilt playing in Hawaii last week, and then you had Northwestern and Nebraska taking a trip to Ireland. Irish. And didn't, didn't Nebraska lose? Uh, I believe they did. 
That was terrible. Oh, people. Yeah, See, because of that, because of that, Northwestern gets an early lead on the division. <laughs> yeah. So now what? Oh, it's just people are crazy. I don't know why and how. Like, I feel like why it doesn't uh, college football get a, uh, a preseason. I mean, they have the spring, but you also have like a good amount of the of the summer, at least the last month of the summer we're practicing. But why don't we do a preseason for them? I mean, they have spring football games, I think. Which like is one they, game, though. I mean, they and take it's on your practice squad. Yeah, and then, I mean, with college, I mean, it's tough because then you have to start that in like in like July, maybe, or very yeah. early, very early August, and then. But then at the same time, you got to remember these college kids are not under contract; they are That's literally the playing for their job, and you get injured, then you could potentially lose your scholarship. So it's always tough with college. And I mean, you, you had roughly about, I think 14 games last weekend. I mean, you had, uh, you had Nebraska Northwestern in that game. And then you had Illinois versus uh, Wyoming where Illinois ended up winning that out of conference game. I mean, it yeah. was interesting though. The fact that you had Northwestern and Nebraska, like actually in conference already, and you had to play that game in Ireland. I just find it funny that we actually care about Nebraska. <laughs> they're not they're not a name anymore. Yeah, not not what they used to be. In the nineties though. They in were nineties, yes. They 80s, were a powerhouse. Yes. But not like since I've been alive, I can count how many times on one hand how much I've I've given a crap about Nebraska. This many. And then as far as Northwestern goes, I mean, they did play in the uh, Big Ten Championship, I think, uh, a few seasons ago. years ago, ago. Yeah. So they're – and they're, Northwestern has started to become a name. How long it'll be a name for, who knows? They'll probably die off soon. But, I mean, mo- a lot of colleges do. You know, a lot of college teams unfortunately do that. Penn State, for instance, the last, like, five or six years, they've gone 53 and 22 since 2016 – and they've had some rough seasons that obviously COVID was probably the worst season, but you have to give them a slide for that. Um, and under James Franklin, it hasn't been the best. It's been manageable, but he hasn't been like a Joe Paterno who's led them to greatness. Uh, he's made it to one Rose Bowl. They lost to USC. They haven't made it to the college playoff ever. Um, it just it's It is what it is right now. He inherited a bad team from Bill O'Brien, who also destroyed the Texans after a while, because that's what Bill O'Brien does. Apparently, he just destroys things, which is why Tom Brady probably got into it with him that one day it, during the season. Yeah, I mean, uh, Penn State last year, you got to remember that game against Illinois. That... Nine overtimes. Yes, yeah, too, too many overtimes. You, you could you, that was their homecoming too, I believe. And that was Ship's homecoming as well, because I was at Ship's homecoming while watching Penn State's homecoming game, and then I watched us beat the Millersville um, Marauders. And then after we like, people were still updating everyone in the stands about what Penn State was doing, how they were still playing, like <laughs> seven overtimes. I'm like, are you serious? To Illinois? Why? It's Illinois. Who gives a crap about them? Well, it ended up being the reason why they didn't make the college football playoff last year. And 
that was a uh, tough blow to the schedule. And I mean, James Franklin as a head coach, I will say, I mean, he had his good opportunities, but then, you know, when you end up losing your big games against your rivals, that hurts. And it allows teams like Michigan and Ohio state to take over. I mean, you just look at the big 10 standings and the way they're set up the East is much, much better at football, I think, oh, yeah. with over, overall schools. Because the fact that you have Ohio State, Michigan, Michigan State, and Penn State in the same division, while out west, I mean, you got, like, a bunch of teams that, like, just fall apart at some point. I mean, Iowa always has a good start to the season, but yep. then they find some way to lose in the middle of the year. And yep. then you have Wisconsin there. Oh, there's always potential there, but what they mostly get to the championship game and then they lose to either Ohio state. And then you look at Purdue. I mean, Purdue, I mean, is not the most clutch at football. They know how to, you know, pull off an upset if necessary. Everyone's but yet, yeah. And then, then sometimes you'll hear, Oh wait, the Minnesota Gulf, golden Gophers. I forgot you guys can play football every now and then. And so do they. Yeah, <laughs> like, wait, this is this is what winning feels like. <laughs> oh, this is how you play football when you don't share a team or the stadium with your uh, your NFL team. <laughs> yeah, that was crazy when that happened when the Vikings had to play outside. <laughs> that was actually kind of fun though to watch. That's when they had Teddy Bridgewater too when he went down with a nasty knee injury, which really yeah, sucks. And then and then Blair Walsh or is it Walsh? Yeah, yeah, Walsh, it was Blair Walsh. That. This is that kick. 20-something yards. Yeah, I mean, it was basically almost an extra point. <laughs> it was a chip shot. Yeah. I think and... I could have made that. Don't tempt yeah. me. <laughs> yeah, you could have been that guy who uh, tried out with uh, after the double doink in Chicago. They had a oh, bunch of guys. Parky. Yeah, they, they had a bunch of guys kicking at a bar and be like, hey, yeah, you could try and kick an NFL ball. And everyone was <laughs> slipping on their back. <laughs> I wonder what ever happened to him, honestly. He actually went to Cleveland at one point. Poor guy. Yeah. He's the place kicker now for uh, Chicago Bears. He worked his way back to Chicago. Huh, they let him back. Yeah, I'm kind of surprised about that. Yeah. Oh, wait, no. Okay, so according to Google, he's back in the NFL uh, with the New Orleans Saints on Tuesday uh, per NFL Ian, or Ian uh, Rappaport. Oh, uh, yeah, Ian Rappaport, yeah. So, okay, he's <laughs> uh, poor, poor him. But this was last season, so I don't even know what he's doing right now. <laughs> Oh, poor double doink. <laughs> yep. But so Penn State is playing Purdue tomorrow night. Purdue had an interesting season last year. They beat, they were on a three game winning streak at the very end. They actually beat Michigan State, who Penn State lost to. They beat Iowa, who also Penn State lost to. They lost to Notre Dame at Notre Dame. Uh, they were four and two, both home and away, and six and three in the conference. Oh, um, and they beat Tennessee, an SEC team who Penn State couldn't even beat Arkansas in their bowl game on the uh, New Year's Eve game. So, I unfortunately Purdue is three and fifteen and one all time against Penn State. So I can't see Purdue winning. I can see Penn State playing down to their opponent 
and giving Purdue the game. Yeah, I mean, you look at how uh, Penn State could possibly do. I mean, depending on how their defense can hold on in the final minutes, and then I think it's going to do. Offense... I think it's up to Clifford. If Clifford can play like at, like everyone thinks that he is, he's not a great quarterback. The way the reason why they were doing so well before was because of the running backs. I think they have enough talent at the receiver and tight ends. Clifford and sometimes the offensive line is not good. So it's not really his fault, which kind of unfortunately is, Oh, who was that one quarterback that uh, Hackenberg? That's who he kind of reminds me of. Like Clifford kind of reminds me of Hackenberg with a terrible offensive line. If the offensive line can actually hold uh, and actually keep him good, keep him upright. I think Clifford could be decent, but it really depends on that offensive line for me. Yeah, and I mean, we'll see how they uh, each side runs the ball. I mean, obviously, it's a strong run game that could make the big difference. I mean, yeah. home, when you play at home, I mean, Purdue can be a tough crowd. I mean, yeah. I mean, you can't really rush the field because Penn State's not ranked, so no. It's just a beating a big it's, name. Yeah, and Penn State's always going to be that big name, even if they're not ranked. Yeah. So my question to you is, what do you think Penn State's overall record will be at the very end? And I'm kind of throwing you in the spot. I don't know if you'd figured this out earlier. I did this during my prep earlier on today. So I'm kind of interested to see, like, who you – what record you have for them. Yeah, to look at the Nittany Lions, I mean, you play, what, about 12 games here, and – Obviously, you have their three ranked opponents are Michigan State, Michigan, yep. and Ohio State right now. Obviously, the ranks could change at that point, and then still Ohio State's their toughest opponent. And look, I mean, they still have some uh, games coming up in the early part of the year. Like they, after this, they don't play a conference game until October. Like Northwestern's their next conference game because then they play Ohio, Auburn, and Central Michigan as part of their schedule. But looking at where they could slip, I think they can go about I think they can go about 9 and 3 or probably an 8 and 4. So which one is it? So I, I have um, my trusty marker out. I'm ready to write this down. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to go with 8 and 4. Dang it. I thought we were going to be off. You're also picking eight and four. <laughs> yeah, because here's the thing. I could see them easily win. Now, I could also see them going seven and five, to be honest, because I could see them losing to Purdue and I could see them losing to Auburn as well. Um, but I'm giving them right now two and one up against Auburn. They'll beat Central Michigan. Up. They should beat Central Michigan. If they lose to Central Michigan or even Ohio, I give up on their season already. They're, they're lost cause. Um, they should be able to beat Northwestern because in it's at Beaver Stadium. They will lose to Michigan. Now, because it's also Minnesota at Beaver Stadium, they should win that one. They will lose to Ohio State because it's probably the whiteout game. And although crazier things have happened, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's going to be a close game. I would say less than four points is going to be the swing on that one. They should beat Indiana. They should beat Maryland because they always beat Maryland and Maryland sucks. They should beat Rutgers and they'll lose to Michigan State. 
Yeah, I mean, they should lose to Ohio State, and then they may lose to Michigan State in that final game. And yeah. then the because Michigan, Michigan State always has it going by the end of the season. I mean, the Michigan one's always tough, but I'm, ex- I'm there's the unexpected loss. And I think it, it's going to – I don't – it's either among – I – I'm with you when you say they could lose that Purdue game tomorrow night. There's always the potential there. That is their toughest opponent. After that, I would say either to possibly Northwestern or Minnesota. Indiana, I would say it's iffy, but they did lose that one year in 2020 when exactly. you know, he, he reached to the goal line. There, There is a chance, and they're not – it doesn't look like they're playing against Iowa, so that's, you don't have to worry about that one this season. Now, ever, for some god-awful reason, they suck in Iowa. Besides the Saquon Barkley year, that was the only year they were actually good. Um, I blame the pink locker room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. But, like, you look at Michigan State's record or schedule, oh, my goodness. They have an easy – I feel like they have a pretty good schedule. Uh, now, they play against Washington. That'll be a fun game to watch. Um, that'll probably be their first big test. They should be able to beat Minnesota. They should beat Maryland at Maryland. Um, Ohio State is their first really big opponent. And then it's a trap game, their homecoming game against Wisconsin. And then they're at Michigan, the big house. But then they have Illinois, Rutgers, and Indiana. There's, there's three right there. And they could be on a four-game winning streak after Michigan. Yeah, I mean, there got to remember the one year that Michigan State did make the college football playoff. I mean, they were able to surprise everyone, and uh, I believe they ended up losing in that one game uh, oh, yeah. to Alabama. They got smoked. Mm-hmm. So this is actually going to lead me to my stump pegs question. Now that we're talking about NCAA, kind of set you up for this. Have you looked at any of the NCAA D2 rankings, by the way? No, I have not. <laughs> All right. This is perfect. Uh, so there are I'm trying to debate if I want you to guess which schools are ranked from the PSAC conference or if I give you, you know what? I'm going to let you guess. You'll get yeah, yeah. five ahead. guesses. So there's four teams ranked from the okay, PSAC so four. conference. Four, okay. I will give you five guesses. So you okay. have one guess that you can get wrong, but if you get that wrong, wrong, then you're done. Okay. You don't have to. You don't have to guess what order they're in. I have the order already. Okay. You just have to guess who's in for the NCAA D two uh, rankings. All right. Um, one guess I'll take so far is uh, Slippery Rock. Correct. Okay. So Slippery Rock is one of those teams. Um, Another one, I would have to say Kutztown. Correct. Yeah, I was going to say, after our big run last year, I would hope they at least give credit to the Golden Bears. Um, you got to think, if you're going off last year and how it worked, um, I would say uh, IUP. <clears throat> oh, there it is. <laughs> so now you have two guesses left. Okay. Um <laughs> So, yeah, two more from the PSAC. Uh, how about Shepard? Correct. I was going to say, after that heartbreaking loss last year, I mean, you got to get it somewhere. <laughs> so now you have one guest left and only one. 
<laughs> no pressure. Yeah, no pressure. Because the one thing is, and a lot of people don't know this, you had just graduated last year from Kutztown, so you should know at least who was good and who wasn't. So that's yeah. why I'm giving you this question today. Yeah. Okay. Well, all right. So I already said those teams. And um, Westchester. Final answer. Final answer. Eh. It was California. Oh. Uh. So from the PSAC conference, uh, it is Shepard at six, Kutztown at 13, California at 21, and Slipper Rock at 23. Yeah, I'm trying to remember how Cal U did last year. Apparently well enough to get to the top 25. Okay. And the champion from 27, I think 27, or no, 2018, West Florida is ranked 11th right now. Oh. But they're also without their top quarterback who transferred last year. Um, so that'll be interesting to watch. I can't remember his name all of a sudden. I had I actually got to interview him for something. I don't remember what. <laughs> don't ask me what it was. And I had an inter it was a great interview with him, and I can't remember for the life of me who what his name was. But he was a quarterback and he looked like a really good quarterback. Uh, then he transferred to a different school, a D1 school. Oh. Yeah. He got to work uh, with Trevor you, Lawrence the year he got. You guys had to. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, you guys had uh, Messina's son, right? Yeah. I actually got to meet Mike Messina last year during homecoming. Oh, that's cool. That was great because I – so funny thing is about Bryson, I've known him since he was a freshman in college because when I went to ship, that was my senior year. That was his freshman year. And I didn't know that Mike Messina actually went to our games. And I'm like, no way. Mike Messina coming to Shippensburg, Pennsylvania, what the hell would he be here? Little did I know his son was our starting quarterback. I'm like, holy shit. <laughs> and we were at homecoming last year my wife was running late as always because she does that and i was already in the stands i had to like get her in by the way i, I have a way to get in and i'm not going to explain that because i don't want someone to be like eric you need to pay to get into these games which i do i pay a different one um so i was waiting for my wife to get in and i let her in and uh, we watched the game, and we were right near an old friend of mine. We were watching the the band who a friend of mine was in the band, so he loves to watch that as well. We were just kind of messing around and talking. And I looked back, and about five or six rows back there, there's Mike Messina just sitting there. And I'm like, he looks familiar. And I, I feel like I'm just staring at him like, hmm, hmm, you look familiar, <laughs> but hmm, I don't know. And then it hit me. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. It's Mike Messina. It's, it's, it's Mike Messina. <laughs> and I'm like a little kid because when I, I remember 2005, it was like May 4, May 12th, May 13th, somewhere around there. I got asked to go to a baseball game and it was Oakland Athletics versus the New York Yankees at the old stadium. Mike Messina pitched a five hit shutout, complete game shutout. And I was like, oh my goodness. I still remember this. 
you are the first pitcher because Mariano Rivera just blew a save the night before. So no one wanted him in the game. So we had Moose the entire game. So I remember I, my wife talked me into walking up to him and thank God she did. So she's like, go, go. You're going to regret this. Go. Okay. So I went up and I like, I think it was starting to pack up and I'm like, you're not a uh, Mike Messina, are you? Stupid question. Of course it's Mike Messina. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, well, it depends on who's asking. I'm like, oh, just a kid who's lo- who loved watching you play for the Yankees from like 2001 to 2008 when you retired and went to his first game and watched you pitch in Oakland. He's like, you actually like, said all this. I said all of this because I didn't really rehearse anything. I just blurted it out to Mike uh. Messina. <laughs> I still want to see if I can get him on this show at one point. That's going to be one of the highlights of the show, besides hanging out with you, of course. But having Mike Messina would be an amazing thing. Um, so I'm going to try to work on that as well. That's, he's on my list of guests to get. All right. Because just having him would be holy shit. <laughs> yeah, that would be French, but yeah. Yeah, that'd be amazing. <laughs> um, speaking of NCAA. We forgot to get to this part. Who are your final four teams? Yeah, man. I mean, I actually haven't put much thought into this. So, I mean, it's going to be a pretty rough. So, so is mine. But, again, I will, how about this? We'll do three cha- three changes once yeah. again. We'll change it in November, right before yeah. the holidays. And then, actually, should we only do tw- – I feel like we should only do it twice. Yeah, I think I think twice and – I would say right for for rivalry week because by then we'll have the Iron Bowl and we'll have like conference championships, so yeah. that will give us enough time. So after Thanksgiving, so I'll write like I'll just write after Thanksgiving. Yeah, after Turkey Day. <laughs> yep. That's when we will change our predictions once again. Okay. All right. So I'm going to start off and I'll give you some time to talk to think. How yeah. about that? Go ahead. So obviously my first pick, I'm just going to write it down. Bama. That's a given. There's, they're the best team. They have the best coach. I, you can't, I don't care. Um, I'm going to go with a surprise pick. Actually, you know what? I'm going to work my way down to my surprise pick. So my second pick, Georgia. I think Georgia will still be good because I don't trust anyone from the ACC. I think Clemson will fall off a little bit again. I think Notre Dame could get in. I'm not picking them yet, but I do think with their schedule and the strength of schedule, they could get in and squeak in. But I'm not picking them right now. My other pick, USC. Lincoln Riley's first year. Exactly. The Pac-12. And because my other reason, money. Money will be the reason why USC will get in. Now, I will. I want to see what they're going to do against Stanford in the early season, in the early weeks. But if they can get past them, they got an easy schedule against Oregon, Oregon State. They and if they could blow out some of these these teams, I think they play Notre Dame as well. But though, I think USC is finally going to bring the Pac-12. And also, I cannot wait because if you think about this, if USC and gets into the final four. Now that's going to elevate their status next year in the big 10 and make them a legitimate contender against Ohio state against Michigan against Penn state and all these big name teams. So I, I think they're going to come in 
and they're going to make a statement right away. My big surprise team right now, Michigan State, because of their schedule. I think they're going to squeak in because of a good conference schedule. They're going to win against Ohio State, and I think they can beat in. They didn't they destroy Michigan last year? I feel like they did. It, I can't remember if it was them or not, but they ran circles around one team last year. I thought it was them, um, as no one's looking it up right now. But I think Michigan State can actually squeak in. And I think they're going to have a, a very underrated but a solid year, and that's why they're going to get in. Well, last year, I mean, the final score was 37-33. Uh, to 33, So it was a close game, okay. and I mean – uh, well, at least, yeah, that was Michigan and Michigan State. Yeah. So maybe I'm thinking of, they destroyed someone else last year. I can't remember, but that is my predictions. All right. So obviously, Bama, so, right? Yeah, I was I was gonna say roll tide, <laughs> roll tide. We we've only as long as everything goes right, we'll be fine. Because as long. <laughs> I, I, and what I mean by fine is injuries. Again, ah. that, that 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 year we lost to a. That that's basically the reason why we didn't take down Joe Burrow, <laughs> and but but at the same time LSU was really good that year. And then um, as far as other teams go, yeah, I, I will say this is uh, kind of tough. I mean, you want to think Ohio State or uh, even Notre Dame because you know well, so, so, I mean they're playing against each other week one, and that could decide. You know, it's like the one loss or no loss. But, but that could also help elevate both of those into the playoff because we've seen against the SEC with Georgia and Bama when they've they've split it in a championship game and in the regular season, mm-hmm. then you're still getting in. Yeah, and I'm I'm gonna I, I'm gonna at least uh, go I'm gonna go with Georgia as well. I mean, with Kirby Smart and seeing how Georgia's still got some top ranked players in the top 100. I mean. When you have quality players, that really works out, especially with a coach. And then you look at how last year was. I mean, it's going to be different because oh, yeah. Cincinnati lost a lot of guys. And, I mean, you, you'll finally reach that point. But, you know, you lose one game, that's it, especially yep. when you're in a lower conference like they are. And then uh, Michigan, I mean, that was a wild ride for Michigan, but I don't think they're going to do it. But oh, okay. I'm, going to, I'm going to put down the Buckeyes. I'm going to put down Ohio State. The interesting thing about Ohio State – they're a team where it's like if they miss the playoff either once or twice, they usually find a way to bounce back. And that's why they call them the Ohio State. Like they, they they play hard. And also, let's face it, that their marching band is like the best in the nation. You watch some of their performances. <laughs> Shippensburg could beat them. I mean, how big is their band? <laughs> Actually, pretty big. Not going to lie. Okay, and then now we're down to one last team. I will say I am surprised you picked the Pac-12 team as, uh, I mean, it's been a while since we've had Pac-12. I mean, it's it's only happened twice, I believe. I was going to say, uh, Oregon and much. Washington. Yeah, because Oregon did it with Not Mariota yet. in the first year, and Washington did it in a year where they picked them over Penn State, and then they still got steamrolled by Alabama. Because that was the year that Clemson beat Alabama in a championship game. Yeah, but, I mean, this is also interesting because usually I would think Oklahoma, but now that Lincoln Riley's gone, that loses the pedigree and even just how they play. But I think my best pick, I'm going to pick Notre Dame. The Fighting Irish, 
with their players. I mean, this is the one game that they have starting off, which is tough. But don't be surprised if Notre Dame somehow sneaks their way back in. All right. Interesting. So Noah has Bama, Georgia, Ohio State, Notre Dame. I have Bama, Georgia, USC, and Michigan State. It's going to be fun to watch. I I think I'm actually more interested in college football now. Like normally, it always gets interesting. I don't normally care enough about college football. I'll watch it, and I'll watch like the big games, obviously. But I've never—I don't really have an actual team. I like the sport, which is why I watch it. Um, other than that, I could care less a lot about a lot of it. <clears throat> um, so we're gonna switch gears to the NFL because now, for the longest time, we have had. <laughs> This one question since the end of last NFC championship game, where is Jimmy G going to go? And for a while, we were not able to answer that question for a while. We thought, well, maybe he's going to go to Cleveland. Nope. Cleveland already jumped the gun, got Sean Watson. Well, maybe because Sean Watson's going to get suspended for six, no wait, 11 games. Maybe they'll make a run for him. Nope. That's not worth it. Cause he's, he's into a five year or seven, whatever deal for, for a whole lot of money. <laughs> Let's just put up that. Uh, we thought Carolina yep. would have gotten it, but nope. Uh, it is unfortunately going to, they got uh, Baker. So nope, can't do that. I thought the Jets might have gotten him because Zach Wilson's hurt. Apparently they believe in Joe Wacko Flacco. So that, there goes that. The Colts got Matt Ryan. Um, the Commanders got uh, what's his face from the Eagles? Wentz. Yeah, Wentz. Pennsylvania is now in Washington. Commander. That was about. It. I thought maybe he was going to Houston, but Houston actually likes their. I think it's Wade Davis or something like that. I don't even remember his name. Uh, no, you're talking about Houston. Yeah, the Texans? Yeah, no, it was Davis Mills. Davis Mills, okay. I knew it was a Davis in there. Yeah. <laughs> so he's not going to go back to New England because they got Mac Jones. There's really no other place for him. Denver's got Russell Wilson, so they got their quarterback f- figured out. A lot of people thought he was going to go to Seattle. They're not going to trade him to an in-division team. They would have asked way too much. So what, is, what does Jimmy G do? He signs a one-year deal with the 49ers to be the backup quarterback to Trey Lance. So my question is, is the clock ticking now for Trey Lance to be good? Or are they really, and again, even Kyle Shanahan kind of said already this season in the preseason, we thought that when someone was going to go down, we were going to trade him or cut him. It never happened. No one got hurt even on the final weekend of the preseason. So this deal just kind of made sense. Is the timeline shorter for Trey Lance to to do well? Or is this actually going to be Trey Lance's year and they're just going to hold on to Jimmy to get better, to get healthy because he does have that shoulder injury and to possibly become better trade bait when the trade deadline happens? Well, it is obviously the whole idea of keeping him under contract. I mean, they, they are possibly going to see where another team stands at that point. That way, mm-hmm. the value is there. And knowing that there are quarterbacks that are going to get hurt and 
Jimmy G is still a valuable commodity that could at least help any team possibly get to the postseason. Yeah. Now, for, for Trey Lance, yeah, there is this whole idea where we don't know how he could potentially do in a regular season as, like, at least as a full-time starter. Mm-hmm. That's always still been the big question mark. And they play in a tough division, knowing that you have Arizona and the defending champion L.A. Rams having to play against them twice. And Lance is going to be having to work with an offense known for having George Kittle and with Shanahan and his interesting play calling. As Interesting this, is an easy way to put it. Yeah, <laughs> San Francisco is going to do whatever they can to try and win. And I'm sure part of that may include, you know, if Garoppolo has to step up in the moment for Lance, then that at least provides him a, a good steady option. It's because coming across a good backup QB is something that teams don't prepare for, but it's at least comes in a huge uh, bit of uh, just in case and like very handy when the time may come, because let's face it, Eagle fans are relieved by the fact that they had Nick Foles as a backup because that Super Bowl was all because of Nick Foles. And I mean, Wait, just the no, Carson he- Wentz did all the heavy lifting, man. What are you talking about? Well, you're going to win that Super Bowl if Nate Sudfeld? I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that's pretty much your other option. And then uh, even the next year, Wentz got hurt again, and then Foles is like, yep, I'm going to hear the step up again. Uh, here we go again. I got to do my job and pick up after you again, Carson. Yeah, and, you know, they were one drop ball away from going back to the NFC Championship game or even, you know, at least tying it up or doing whatever to New Orleans. And then here – Philadelphia has their own interests right now. But then now San Francisco, I mean, you play your first game against the Bears. I mean, Lance versus Fields, that's going to be quite interesting. Yep. And then after that, you take on Seattle. And then just looking farther ahead in the schedule, I mean, you take on Russell Wilson. And then with the Rams the following week after Denver. And then you, you'll play against teams. You have Kansas City and L.A., both L.A.s, by the way, and their back-to-back games. I mean, they have a buy in between that. And then you have to play Tampa Bay and the Raiders. So this is a tough, tough schedule when you really uh, map it out as far as, I think, strength strength of schedule because not a lot of these guys aren't easy unless, you know, you have the commanders on the schedule, which they do. And according to CBS Sports, so you had mentioned the, t- the strength, strengths of schedule. The Rams have the toughest at 56, uh, 567%. Uh, then it's the Cardinals. Then it's the Bengals and ta- and Buccaneers. And then tied for fifth is the Niners and Chiefs. So they're in that top five percentile of tough schedule that's coming up. Uh, you know who has the weakest schedule? Who is that? Cowboys, Commanders, and Eagles. Yeah, <laughs> even the Jets are in a top 15 ish of tough schedule. Now, their opponents are not over 500, but they still could do something. But yeah, the, the Cowboys, the Commanders and the Eagles all are under 45 percent. Now, the reason and the reason for that is because we get the uh, AFC South this year. We get to. Uh, play against the likes of the Texans and Jaguars. Yep. So there's two wins automatically. <laughs> I can't say that as a Giants fan, but yeah, uh, not for you. You guys have to work for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But 
I think it's interesting too because like the the Niners wanted Jimmy G, right? They wanted him originally. Now, I think this is before John Lynch took over and Kyle Shanahan took over. So I think when they originally came in as the general manager and the the coach, the perception was Jimmy G was going to be their their guy. Now, fast forward, he hasn't been healthy enough. Uh, now they're like, okay, we want younger because that's what the NFC is going for. Dak Prescott, younger. We don't know what's going on with the Giants because if they're going to stick with Daniel Jones or not. Kyler Murray, younger. Um, the Green Bay Packers are still with old man Rodgers for some god-awful reason. They're dragging his bones to the finish line, which I don't think he'll ever win another Super Bowl, but that's besides the point. The NFC is so wide open. Where you look at the AFC, you have the likes of Allen. You have the likes of Mahomes. I feel like the Niners are trying to copy that same module that's happening in the AFC. Let's go younger with a lot of speed and a lot of movement, like like the the Bills and the Chiefs are doing, and trying to imitate them as best as possible. But you're not going to be them. Those teams are already established for last for at least the last three years, and now for the next seven years. These two teams are going to be at the top of the AFC. We're always going to be talking about the Bills and Chiefs in the AFC. Now comes along Joe Burrow. Now comes along an old man, Matt Ryan, on the AFC side, which will be fun to watch because he's never been on this side of the, of the league. Um, I, I, feel, I feel bad for Jimmy G. Now, I hope that something works out for him. Maybe Joe Flacco goes down, and then the Jets really need a quarterback. And, hey, you've already played for us once. Will it suck for Zach Wilson? Yes. Will Zach Wilson get over it? Yes. Because it's not – He's Jimmy G, unfortunately, is now going to become the new uh, Fitzpatrick, where he's only going to fill in for a little bit of time, and the magic's going to run out, and then you have your starter come in and actually take over. That That's where I feel the trajectory for Jimmy G is going to go from here on out for his career. Yeah, Garoppolo is getting up in age, and the injuries have been more of the question of what can he do? And they want someone who's at least healthy, but then everyone wants to focus on certain elements of developing quarterbacks. Right. That's mm. basically what Pittsburgh, that's what Pittsburgh's doing right now. Everyone was saying, you know, Pittsburgh should go after Russell Wilson. Pittsburgh should go after Aaron Rodgers. Pittsburgh should at least get somebody on the QB market because you know, you have the talent and Mike Tomlin knows how to compete and win. And Pittsburgh's like, Nope, we're just going to sign Trubisky and we'll draft Kenny Pickett in the in the draft and we'll take what we can get because Didn't they, they have know, someone else well they had uh they have mason rudolph and then <laughs> of course and of course they uh had dwayne haskins who tragically passed away yeah in that instant earlier this year and now pittsburgh is willing to roll the dice with who they've got now san francisco that's what they're hoping to do with trey lance because you got to remember when they got garoppolo i mean he was much younger at the time but they lost those seasons because of injury yeah they, i yeah. mean you acquire mid-season 2017 you take on the chance in 2018 he's out after like what a few weeks and then there was nothing left that you had to sit out another year then you finally make it to, to the next super bowl but then you got more injuries piled on top of that. And then you had last year that, but that's why you don't really want to give up on a guy like Garoppolo knowing where this guy's good. He could at least lead you to a championship. I mean, 
Everyone mm-hmm. criticizes Garoppolo saying he doesn't do enough or whatever, but you, you, you'll, you'll, you'll take a quarterback that can win you games and at least do his job because you'd be surprised how often a quarterback does not show up in the biggest moments. I think part of it too is the system. Sometimes the system isn't right. Like with Sam Darnold for the Jets, now he got injured and he also got uh, had a terrible offensive line and a terrible offensive coordinator and a coach. But what the system just didn't work out for him, you know, and I, I really hope that he can become a starter in this league. Maybe he'll become Ryan Fitzpatrick, who knows. But Jimmy G, he's got the deep ball and he has the short pass game from Tom Brady as well, because he was one of the better ones at it for a time. At But again, like you said, it's the injuries that keeps getting him. So he is getting a little older, but the Kyle Shannon system is run, 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 run. Pass short, run, 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 over the top, run, 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 medium, run, 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 pat. You know, it's kind of like that rhythm that they have, and it just works for them. But they want younger, so unfortunately, Jimmy G is out. I'll be, I'll be shocked to see if he actually stays with them full for the full year. I think he'll get traded by the trade deadline. Where that's yeah. going to be, that's going to be the real question. I mean, the the media cycle will certainly pick up once he gets October. Right, oh, around yeah. the trade, right around the trade deadline and seeing how some teams may stand, they'll, they'll make the decision. And yet they just got to hope that everything works out depending on uh, how the season turns up. But we're going to try this uh, second year of 17 games because last year was the first time they did that. Yep. And, I mean, things, things can change by the time you get to, like, week 14. Yeah. Speaking of the NFL, so – one of our last things is today the Eagles have traded uh, Jalen Rieger, 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 Rieger to the Minnesota Vikings for a 2023 seventh round pick and a conditional fourth round selection that changes to a fifth round pick if certain statistical requirements are not met. Uh, Rager, the Eagles' first round draft pick in 2020, had 64 receptions for 695 yards and three touchdowns in his two seasons with the Eagles. He also returned a punt 74 yards for a touchdown in his rookie season at Green Bay. Um, the Eagles have reconfigured the wide receiver corpse through, uh, in the last few seasons. The team loves the development of the 2026 round draft pick, Quez, uh, Quez Watkins, and they also had Devontae Smith. And they also got Zach Pascal. Um, and didn't they also who was the big guy they got from the Titans? I can't remember his name. AJ, AJ Brown. Brown. Yeah. So unfortunately for Rager, there's just not enough room for him on the roster. And they feel that, hey, they're gonna be on the team with uh Kirk Cousins, maybe actually be on the, the starting uh wide receiver lineup or depth chart. For the Vikings with Justin Jefferson, you know he's going to get double teamed. So maybe if they put him in the slot, maybe I'll get some more catches. I think it's a good pit. I think it's a good trade for the Eagles, but I think that's a lot of picks for uh, a very young guy to uh, who hasn't really produced as much. But two picks that that's a little too much, I think. Okay, well, I, I will say this was quite shocking, and but then at the same time, not as much because you got to remember, this was the Eagles, I believe, first round pick of 2020, because you got to remember they got beat to CD Lamb, the Cowboys beat them to CD Lamb, and 
Cowboy fans loved that. They will take that over to the Eagle fans. And here, obviously, they knew that they messed. People said, you know, they messed up because they got the wrong guy. And then some people even say, you know, the Eagles should have drafted Justin Jefferson as uh, they could have had the chance to select him, but they didn't. And yep. then they they ended up trading their first round pick of that draft. They did get those pick. They at least got some picks in return. Now a seventh round pick. Yeah, I think you'd, you. I would consider that a bargain from Minnesota, as you know, it's like, well, this guy was a first round pick in the draft. So the fact that we we're only giving up a seventh, but then a conditional fourth round pick that could change to a fifth. So I mean, I I get what you're saying, like multiple picks for a guy that you know is not the top receiver. Some people yeah. would even say top, top 10 in the NFL, but you know, they're not high quality picks. That's true. These, these are low end picks. And then, I mean, he's only going to be support for Jefferson. That's his main job right now. And Rager will just be happy if he gets those targets. I mean, that's that. I mean, you look at it last year when the Eagles, they had to get rid of Ertz, and, you know, at that point they decided, yep, we're going to send you to Arizona and, <laughs> That unfortunately didn't work out with him. You know, he was the longtime tight end for Philadelphia. Fans loved him. Yep. But yet, Goddard was younger, and they just couldn't meet eye to eye on uh, what the commitment was. And now, Philadelphia, they have still a good core of receivers with Smith, with A.J. Brown. That's how their offense will be structured on the passing game. And now, yep. Minnesota. Yep. Minnesota adds depth. I mean, Minnesota's added a lot this year. That's and true. They're in it they, to win the, the division this year. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. I mean they they got rid of their uh, their front office man last year in uh, Spielman, and they parted ways with Mike Zimmer and O'Connell is going to be uh, going to be quite interested in moving this uh, Vikings team as an aggressor. I mean, I, I I believe as part of my predictions, I have Minnesota as a wild card team. And that's, yeah, that's what I think that now with this, I mean, it'll at least put more pressure against some of their other opponents, like against Chicago. And then, you know, green Bay don't sleep on this guy, but you know, Rager needs to at least show up and make those catches. But then I'm sure cowboy fans are now saying, you know, it's like, well, Eagle fans, we got the better of you. Cause you know, it's like, we didn't really want Rager after all. Mm Hmm. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. But, again, the Eagles also put a lot of effort into their receiving core with Zach Pascal from the Colts, with Brown from the Titans, with uh, Devontae Smith. So there's already your three starting receivers right there. Uh, and then Quasi Watkins as – or Quez Watkins as your fourth round – or your fourth uh, receiver on the depth chart. Unfortunately, there's just no room for him. So it makes sense. And a lot of the picks are basically throwaway picks, anyways. Um, some of someone that actually did make the news today, which I'm actually really intrigued with, uh, is with the Jets. Uh, Denzel Mims believes that he's a starter, but New York Jets are pretty set on who they want. Uh, Denzel Mims was a draft pick several years ago for the Jets, who I thought would be a really good one receiver for them. Uh, but unfortunately, he's behind Corey Davis. Now, Corey Davis was injured a lot last season, so maybe that'll change. Elijah Moore is a good slot receiver. So is Garrett Wilson from Ohio State. And right now, the coaches feel like 
they have their minds up. And Denzel Mims is a second-round pick from the 2020 draft, and he's not happy being a backup role. But I think they're going to do the same thing that the Eagles did with Rager, that unfortunately it just isn't working out for him. Denzel Mims was injured for a little bit of the time as well. So they want to get him healthy. They want to see what they can do. But right now there aren't really many uh, trade inquiries on Mims, according to Joe Douglas. So Mims right now is in a lose-lose situation because I, I think, honestly, if they can – if Corey Davis gets hurt, which I feel like he will because it's Corey Davis. He, that's the problem with him with the – the Titans from a couple of years ago. That was one of the reasons why they lost that game against the Baltimore Ravens in the playoffs because no Corey Davis. So you get a guy who's already hurt. I don't think they needed him personally. I think Denzel Mims can be that one receiver. I think he could be like the Devontae Adams or the Devontae Parker of the uh, Miami Dolphins. I think he has the ability to be that. They're just not giving him the, the trust that he wants and the recognition if he stays healthy and Corey Davis goes out, or at least one of these guys go out, there you're going to be in that position and you're going to be in the starting core. So it's not like it's a bad thing. You're going to help this team. You just got to do your part. And sometimes we want to be the stars instead of just a team player. Football isn't like that all the time. You have to be a team player in order to win the games. Yeah, for the New York Jets, I mean, health is always a question. And, I mean – where to go after this year. I mean, you got to at least keep some stable pieces. I mean, the last few years, I mean, you had to say goodbye to Jamal Adams and then you oh ended up letting go. You let, you let go, you let go of a uh, Le'Veon Bell as you know, that, that was, was a, a terrible move. Miss. And then, yeah, I mean, even Adam Gase was like, yeah, why did we, why did we, he didn't, I believe he didn't even like how much money they brought him in for. Well, that and, the thing that he did so well with the Steelers, he had an offensive line that actually would open up the holes. What do you expect with the Jets who doesn't, who at that point, did not have a great offensive line? Now, their offensive line is getting better, with, especially even without Makai Becton being out. But they are getting better right now. But at the time, their offensive line was terrible. He was only averaging, I think, like two or three yards a carry. It was bad. So what did you expect? Yeah, and uh, with the Jets, it's going to be interesting. Is uh, I know, I, I I don't know how they're going to do this year. I mean, I don't I don't think they're going to do good, but that's just what I think. I'll be happy with six wins, six or seven wins this season for the Jets. Honestly, I'll be happy if they go seven and ten on the season. First, first game against the Ravens is a tough one. <laughs> True. Yeah, we'll we'll see how they do. Uh, and of course, next week we're gonna do our first Mad Five picks. I cannot wait. I've been waiting for this oh. for a long time um, because I haven't had anyone to go against in a long time, besides my wife. Uh. And it's not really fun. <laughs> no offense, babe, I love you. If she's out there, I don't know if she's out there or not. She's a Cowboys fan, so we all have our faults. Um, so. Yeah, I'm actually excited to have. I feel like we should have a bet for this as well. Uh, but we'll have to come up with like the parameters of this. So uh, we'll, we'll each come up with something before next week when we do our first Mad Five picks because the NFL season starts next week. And I'm so excited. 
and it's going to be a perfect timing because my son's going to be born soon. So it's going to be a great time. Great time. Be a busy time for you. I know it's gonna be crazy. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I think that's all we got to cover. I mean, we got our onest day in sports history today. <clears throat> As I clear my throat, apologize for that. Not really. Could care less if you hear it or not. Uh, what is happening on this day in sports history? Uh, a lot of interesting uh, tennis. Hey, 1997. Don Mattingly's number 23 is retired by the New York Yankees. That's interesting. Uh, 1997, also, Eddie George runs for 216 yards on 35 carries and scores a touchdown as the Oilers, playing their first NFL game in Tennessee, beat Oakland 24-21 in overtime at the Liberty Bowl in Memphis. That's interesting. Yeah, the story of the Tennessee Oilers. Oh, the Oilers. I'm not going to lie. There's not actually much on today in sports history. 2019, Minnesota Twins smashed six home runs in a 10-7 loss to the Detroit Tigers. They also broke the MLB record by hitting their 268th home run of the season. Uh, Let's see. What else we got? Uh, 1991, Houston quarterback. David Klinger sets NCAA record with six touchdown passes in the second quarter as the Cougars clobbered Ooh, Louisiana Tech 73 to three. Ouch. Yeah. <laughs> and in 1993, Minnesota Twins beat the Cleveland Indians. Yes, not the Guardians, the Indians five to four in 22 innings. 22 Whoa. innings. <laughs> yeah. That's two games, two and a half games right there. A long, long night. And in 1990, baseball outfielders Ken Griffey and Ken Griffey Jr. became the first father-son to play on the same team on the Mariners, and the pair hit back-to-back singles in the first inning and both scored. And that is On This Day in Sports History from OnThisDay.com. All right, so I have the quote of the day. This one comes from azquotes.com. And it comes from a famous actor, as you know him, by The Rock. Oh, Adam Sandler. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) No, it's Dwayne The Rock Johnson. As he he once said, according to azquotes.com, one hard day of work proves you have heart. But day after day is what proves you have maturity and commitment. Again, wise words from a man who had so many roles in the Fast and Furious saga to Jumanji to everyone knows him from Moana. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, the guy <laughs> apparently can sing and obviously wrestling and of course in sports the new commissioner of XFL. Remember oh, when man. XFL comes back. Yeah, it, he's a big part of that. But again this quote for the quote of the day is from Dwayne Johnson. One hard day of work proves you have heart, but day after day is what proves you have maturity and commitment. Interesting. All right. Who knew Dwayne had it in him? Least I could say is you're welcome. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> there is a, so I was reading on my show the other day that uh, apparently Kevin Hart got, had someone come into his personal space and he obviously doesn't like it. I mean, not many people like, 
people being up in their space. I was going to say, who loves anyone in your personal space? Right. So he, like, he had to tell the guy to, like, get out of his space. And he was ranting about it on, like, his Instagram or something. And Dwayne The Rock Johnson's like, yeah, I hate it when you're that close to me as well. (laughs) (laughs) They have a lot of fun on social media. They do. Have you ever seen the one video where they're like, oh, this is a great question. And the Rock's trying to answer the questions about how did you get the name, the nickname as The Rock? He's like, oh, well, it's a simple question. And Kevin Hart is right next to him is because the teacher said that Dwayne is dumb as a rock. And he's like, no, no, no. He's like, you don't remember that they were talking about you one day. And he said that Dwayne is dumb as a rock. No, 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 no. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. I, I mean, I think, I mean, I think he did. I remember one where he was mocking his workout or something like that. Oh I yeah. He, uh, Dwayne had a cut, he had a cut on his head, and then Kevin Hart did the same thing. <laughs> uh, or what about like I think they did like the dumbbells, and like Dwayne like couldn't do it, and then um, the Kevin Hart or someone was able to like really put his pressure on, but it was actually like foam. It wasn't this it wasn't the same kind of weights. <laughs> oh, they're great. Uh they give us many laughs. But when we come back on uh episode 38, by the way, it's gonna be season three. We're gonna start a whole new season uh coming up because the NFL season's starting and our baseball picks are in. We cannot touch them anymore. They're up there on the whiteboard. We have our playoff, our NFL predictions as well down here. We have our Mad Five picks right here. We have our Super Bowl picks. We got the Penn State record. We got our NCAA Final Four record. Man, this whiteboard is finally being in use. My wife is finally like, good job, man. Good job. (laughs) But we finally did it. The The Mad Five picks will be back next episode. Uh, Midday Madness Sports Podcast Season 3 coming to you shortly. So I don't think we have anything else to say right now. I think we're all spoken out. We talk too much. Yeah, apparently. But I will say as college football starts, we're. I just got to say this. Go Golden Bears. I mean, come <laughs> on. Go Bears, go. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. Four teams are ranked in the P- from the PSAC in the top 25 for NCAA D2. Uh, that's going to be it for Noah Pegler, Eric Miller. Thank you for joining us again. Follow us on Facebook, and episode 38 will be out shortly. And until next time. <laughs>